Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 29, recorded on August 20th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice. So as always, please, please, please do your own homework. Starting out with the market update for this week, the stock market's four-week winning streak came to an end in reaction to an overbought market that was due for a pullback after Wall Street's impressive recent rally and with central bank tightening in the pipeline, traders saw an opportunity to trim back positions. Friday's drop followed earlier minutes from the Federal Reserve's July meeting and comments from the St. Louis Federal Reserve President James Bullard that indicated the Fed likely would continue hiking rates in the near term, dampening investor hopes for a less aggressive stance. Germany's hotter-than-expected reading on producer prices renewed inflation concerns and helped lift the U.S. Treasury market, including the 10-year yield, which jumped 11 basis points Friday and 14 basis points for the week to 2.99%. For the week, the S&P 500 fell 1.2%, and the Dow Jones average ticked 0.2% lower, while the NASDAQ composite slid 2.6%. So uh, the big debate now is, is the bear market rally over, and is the bear market resuming, or is it the beginning of a bull market? And uh, nobody seems to know. <clears throat> Moving on to Bitcoin news. Uh, first one here, uh, FDIC issues, this is from Bitcoin.com, uh, published uh, today. Uh, FDIC issues crypto-related cease and desist orders to five companies, including FTX U.S. Exchange. Now, of course, if you store your Bitcoin on a hardware wallet and not an exchange, then you could really care less what's going on in the exchanges. But um, apparently some of them and also some websites have been misleading investors thinking that the uh, funds that are on deposit uh, actually carry government insurance, which they don't. So the FDIC issued crypto-related cease and desist orders to five companies Friday. The agency regulates and insures the deposits of FDIC-insured community banks and other financial institutions. The letters demand that the five companies and their officers cease and desist from making false and misleading statements about FDIC deposit insurance. They must also take immediate corrective action to address these false or misleading statements. Five companies are FTX US, CryptoNews.com, CryptoSEC.info, SmartAsset.com, and FDICCrypto.com. Each of these companies made false representations, including on their websites and social media accounts, stating or suggesting that certain crypto-related products are FDIC-insured or that stocks held in brokerage accounts are FDIC-insured. According to the FDIC, Crypto News has reviews on its website claiming that Coinbase, eToro, and Gemini crypto trading platforms are FDIC-insured. CryptoSEC.info and SmartAsset.com provide a list 
of FDIC-insured crypto exchanges that includes Crypto.com, Luno, Robinhood, and Voyager. Meanwhile, FDICCrypto.com blatantly registered a website with FDIC in its domain name. FTX US is one of the crypto firms that received a cease and desist letter. Although FTX and FTX US are two separate trading platforms, they are both founded by Sam Bankman-Fried, who is currently the CEO of both companies. Global exchange FTX does not allow US residents to trade on its platform. Bankman-Fried apologized for the confusion regarding FDIC insurance on Twitter. Clear communication is really important. Sorry, he tweeted. FTX does not have FDIC insurance, and we never said so on the website, etc. Banks we work with do. We never meant otherwise, and apologize if anyone misinterpreted it. In a follow-up tweet, he stressed, to be clear, FTX US isn't FDIC insured. This was not the first time the FDIC has taken action against crypto companies. The regulator and the Federal Reserve Board issued a letter to Voyager Digital last month demanding the crypto lender cease and desist from making false or misleading representations of deposit insurance status. Voyager filed for bankruptcy protection last month. Uh, next article here is also from Bitcoin.com. This was posted uh, two days ago. Kaiko report shows Latin America harnessing crypto mostly for real world use cases. Um, much has been said about the uses that Latin American countries are giving to crypto assets. Many mentioning these are a lifeline in the fight against inflation and devaluation. A new data report issued by Keiko, a cryptocurrency asset market data provider, has found that a significant part of the volumes moved in the area correspond to real-world applications of crypto rather than just in retail trading. Most of the volumes traded are concentrated in just two exchanges, Mexico-based Bitso and Brazil-based Mercado Bitcoin. Bitso comes first, processing trading volumes of 20 million to 30 million consistently and peaking at 60 million in one session in June. On the other hand, Mercado Bitcoin processes fewer crypto trades as the exchange is limited to Brazil, with its platform scoring up to 4 million in trading volume daily in the examined period. Keiko determined that different from other regions, Latin America presents a set of particularities that focus on the use cases mentioned earlier. Bitso, one of the crypto unicorns in the region, bases its activity on the remittance sector mostly. This is one of the reasons behind the fact that 60% of the volumes traded in the exchange involve XRP. <clears throat> the exchange established a partnership with Ripple in 2020 to send almost instant remittances between Mexico and the U.S. using Ripple's on-demand liquidity and several banking partners. This has made Bitso one of the biggest crypto remittance agents in the region, processing more than $1 billion in these operations by June. However, the exchange aims to enter more countries in the area. Recently, the company expanded to Colombia and announced the launch of its remittance services in the country using Circle's U.S. dollar coin as part of this solution. In the same way, Bitso launched stablecoin yield-generating accounts as part of its strategy to entice customers from countries like Argentina, which is currently battling high levels of inflation and devaluation. 
Mercado Bitcoin also recently announced intentions of expanding its services to Mexico to strengthen its offerings in the region. And we'll finish up with a little, uh, I don't normally like uh, talking about price action, but uh, there's certainly been a lot lately in Bitcoin. So uh, here's an article from Coindesk. Uh, this is from August 19th. Uh, market wrap, Bitcoin's price plummets on global inflation concerns. Bitcoin sold off sharply on Friday trading uh, and was recently trading below $21,500, down more than 8% over the last 24 hours. The largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization is down 13% for the week. The decline started during overnight trading, coinciding with unexpectedly high inflation data in Germany. Germany's annual producer inflation figures rose to a record high of 37% in July versus expectations of 32%. Producer prices reflect the price of goods and services sold by manufacturers for a region. The German PPI data is analogous to U.S. PPI data. The United States' July PPI reading was 9.8% by comparison. Following the announcement, the probability of the U.S. Federal Reserve raising the federal funds rate 75 basis points increased to 44.5% from 41% a day earlier, according to the CME FedWatch tool. Ethereum's price fell similarly, declining 8% on the day and 13% for the week. All coins recently dropped sharply, with Solana falling 10%, while uh, AVAX and MATIC declined 11% and 12% respectively. Traditional markets sold off to a lesser extent with the Dow Jones Industrial Average falling 0.8% and the S&P 500 and tech-heavy NASDAQ composite declining 2.1% and 1.3% respectively. Gold, generally viewed as a safe haven against inflation, declined in price by 0.6% while energy markets saw crude oil decrease 0.32% and natural gas increase 1.1%. Prices for copper futures rose 0.9%. Okay, so moving into uh, this week's piece, uh, we're going to talk about why Bitcoin is hope. So while the mainstream media likes to focus on the negatives of Bitcoin, such as bear market price action, like we just talked about, or its use of energy, I've continued to feel a strong sense of growing optimism about the changes that Bitcoin can help bring about, not only in our economy, but in society more broadly. Quick reminder of the key fundamentals of Bitcoin. Number one, absolutely scarce, 21 million maximum coins. Number two, transfers are peer-to-peer -peer without an intermediary. You can send value to anyone, anywhere in the world, with a computer and an internet connection. Number three, the Bitcoin network operates independently of all legacy financial systems. It is the first digital global payments infrastructure. Number four, no counterparty risk when self-custodied. Number five, trustless, Bitcoin is not controlled by any person or group. And this is very important because all of the other altcoins uh, can't say that. Um, only Bitcoin can. And then finally, a hedge against fiat currency debasement collapse in the same way that gold is 
but it doesn't have gold's drawbacks of difficulty to validate, store, transfer, and secure, especially in large amounts. Because Bitcoin is an open, decentralized, and immutable ledger, and because of the proof-of-work consensus mechanism to validate transactions, you can't cheat the system. Day in and day out, regardless of what price the, or what the price of Bitcoin is in fiat currency terms, blocks are written, transactions are processed and validated, and the system keeps on working. Bitcoin is the digital embodiment of absolute scarcity and absolute truth. It is the truth and honesty of the Bitcoin protocol that is perhaps most fascinating to me, something that I align strongly with in my personal and professional life. Truth and honesty are sorely lacking in our modern financial system and by extension, our broader society. For example, just this week, we have another Wall Street pump and dump scheme, this time with Bed Bath & Beyond. So here's a tweet from Liquidity. Let me get this straight. Ryan Cohen knows he has a cultish Wall Street bets following. His stake in Bed Bath & Beyond was disclosed. Bed Bath & Beyond ripped. Ryan Cohen sells the top and stock drops 40%. New Bed Bath & Beyond bag holders are minted. How is this legal? LOL. Now what's worse is Bed Bath & Beyond might also be filing for bankruptcy. Talk about a rug pull. This is from uh, News of the Market. Bankruptcy is next. That was too fast in less than 48 hours. Bed Bath & Beyond hired law firm Kirkland & Ellis to help it address a debt load that's become unmanageable amid a sales slump, according to a person with knowledge of the decision. Now, I believe at the core of many of our societal problems is a financial system that's fundamentally flawed. And the situation described above is just one of many examples where the wealthiest benefit from the system while the poor and the middle class do not. As I've written about before, survival in this world requires money, but the money is flawed in that its supply is limitless and is guaranteed to lose purchasing power over time, which forces you to have to invest and hold assets in order to preserve your purchasing power. We then go in search of investments that will beat inflation. Of course, financial education is not taught in our elementary schools, high schools, or even colleges, and so most of us are ill-equipped to become investors without further education. Many people simply hand their money over to a, quote, trusted third party to manage their money and who get paid whether you make money or not. Personal finance seems like a pretty important subject, fundamental to survival in the modern world, and yet... Financial education falls on the individual to learn for themselves and to teach their children. Fortunately, we have Twitter, YouTube, podcasts, Substack, and many other great free sources of information to learn about personal finance, but it does take personal responsibility and commitment. My own financial education started by reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki many, many years ago. Funny thing about personal finance is the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Now, despite the availability of great free resources today, the general level of financial education in our society is very low. And so it makes it easy for banks with debt and government with taxes to keep the poor middle class in what I call the debt cycle. It really starts with college debt, builds up with credit cards, builds up more with car loans, builds up more with home loans, 
and then builds up even further with taxes until basically you're broke. And then also what goes along with that is the debt cycle anxiety. And so uh, these are the things that, that people tell themselves when they're, when they're struggling under this system. I'm never going to be able to retire. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'll never get ahead. I don't have enough saved for an emergency. I'm broke all the time, even though I make a good salary. I'm afraid for the future. What if I lose my job? It's true that most, the most highly taxed people in the U.S. are those who are employees. Most of the tax breaks benefit businesses and investors. Regardless of how you make your money, if you do have money to invest, it's easy to lose a lot of money in the stock market, especially when bad actors are pumping and dumping stocks like I discussed earlier, but mostly due to poor financial education. There are plenty of people who end up not trusting the stock market after repeated losses, throw in the towel, and just hold on to cash or bonds, which can't possibly keep up with inflation, especially now with inflation at 8.5%. To make matters worse, our financial system is debt-based, which is to say that money is debt. A dollar is not an asset, it's a liability of the U.S. government, as compared to physical gold or Bitcoin, which is truly an asset and no one else's liability. As I've written before, our system can't grow unless debt continues to expand. When debt expands too much, we see asset bubbles created, scams, malinvestment, and the like, which ultimately sets up for a crash. When debt contracts too much, all the bubbles burst, markets crash, and we have a recession. We're seeing this playing out today. For many people, debt in the form of credit cards, a home mortgage, a car loan, or personal loans is essential as a matter of survival. Keeping a roof over your family's head, getting to work, and putting food on the table. Rising interest rates and inflation make things even harder and keep you in the debt cycle. For the wealthy, debt can be used to buy assets, whether that is real estate, businesses, stocks, etc., and earn a return while, thanks to the Federal Reserve, paying relatively small amounts of interest to generate that return. However, unlike the government who can borrow more or have the Fed print more money, the game is over if you can't make your monthly payments or pay off your debt by selling assets. Furthermore, when interest rates are very low and debt is easy to come by, malinvestment and speculation run rampant, causing massive market bubbles and crashes, hurting small investors in the process, who have far more to lose as a percentage of their net worth than the wealthy and the institutions. Indeed, we see a pattern of booms and busts going all the way back to the 1920s, and they seem to be getting worse and more frequent in recent years in my own investing career, of course, I remember the dot-com, the great financial crisis, the COVID crisis, and now the 2022 bear market, or at least that's what I'm calling it. Wall Street has turned everything into a casino, including the housing market, the stock market, the bond market, the crypto market, etc. In this casino, the house always wins. Bitcoin, on the other hand, is simply honest, sound money. All you have to do is buy and hold it. With a long enough time horizon, say five to 10 years, you can be comfortable knowing that the Bitcoin you bought today will have at least the same purchasing power in the future 
and possibly even more than that due to its absolute scarcity and growing network effect. You can also know that no one can take your Bitcoin from you as long as you secure your private key, unlike bank accounts, which can be frozen without your permission, as happened recently in Canada in response to the trucker protests. Those facts give me peace of mind and help to alleviate debt cycle anxiety. A new financial system built on a Bitcoin foundation could usher in a new era of honesty and transparency in all financial dealings. Wild speculation, undisciplined lending, and money that loses its purchasing power would be left in the past. This would be replaced by careful, thoughtful lending and investing using sound money. It would be a return to a simpler time of creating real value for the world in your work and being able to save the fruits of your labors in sound money, knowing that it's safe and secure and will not lose purchasing power over time. Earning interest or a yield will no longer be a primary goal since it won't be necessary with sound money, but can offer someone who's willing to lend their Bitcoin a reasonable return for the risk they take. Most importantly, the market will set the price for the interest to be earned on those loans and not a small unelected group of bureaucrats and academics. In the same way, investing can be a choice rather than a necessity as it is in the fiat system. Bitcoin can help lead us back to a truly market-based economy and away from the centrally planned and, I would say, poorly run economy we live in today. It can empower individuals to take control of their finances directly, eliminating the need for many of the financial intermediaries we have today and reversing decades of everything financialization. For now, though, We live in the fiat debt system, and so we need dollars to pay for things day to day, and we continue to borrow and invest as we always have with an eye to the future, one that could prominently feature Bitcoin. We continue to see massive and growing sovereign debt, inflation, market volatility, widening wealth gap, wild speculation, and misallocation of resources, all signs, at least to me, that the legacy system is beginning to fail. Social unrest is becoming more frequent and visible throughout the world and is a reaction to the economic reality dealt by the failing system and also bad, often ridiculous, political responses to today's social challenges. All of this, especially growing debt, is unsustainable and can't go on forever without some sort of a reset. In the case of debt, either inflation or default. The day will come when we can no longer kick the can down the road. In the end, government will push for greater control as things slowly fall apart. But I believe the people will reject the narrative that the government can solve all the problems, including controlling the weather, and will push back for more freedom. The transition to a new financial system will not be easy or painless, but it will be uh, hopefully usher in a more positive era where our financial lives can be a bit simpler, we can enjoy more freedom, and we can focus on what's really important to us. Most importantly, Bitcoin's truth and honesty can serve as a model for how we should conduct not only our financial affairs, but also our social affairs in this new world. 
So thanks for listening to the podcast this week. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe to your on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Uh, you can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.